God alone decides the way. Ask someone on the street, what is the way to God? What would they say? They'd probably say, whatever works for you is the right way to God. But here in our little example, in our case study, we have Paul, who was an early leader of the church, telling a small church that what they've recently started believing is wrong. Now, to an Australian audience, you can feel the jolt. Oh, that's so intolerant. That's so arrogant, Paul. Man, you think you're so much better than everyone else because you, you think that you're right and they're wrong. And whilst what Paul says may seem arrogant, if you break it down, it's actually very loving. Take a closer look. If you've got your Bible there, that'll really help. Uh, Have a look at verses 6 to 10. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, why is this loving? Because Paul cares about these people. He loves them so much that he won't accept beliefs that he thinks are damaging to them. He loves them so much that he won't accept beliefs he thinks hurt them. Now, in the last century or two, many people have believed things that aren't good for them. Uh, You know, I, I remember reading that asbestos used to be thought of as an okay thing to use for building materials. Uh... Cigarette, many doctors used to prescribe cigarettes as a stress relief and heroin used to be given as a treatment for the common cold. Just because we believe something doesn't mean it works. Just because we believe something doesn't mean it's good for us. Now, it may be intolerant to say to someone, what you believe about Islam is wrong. But surely all of us would be willing to say that what the Bali bombers believe about Islam is wrong. You can't actually say that if all you have is tolerance. There are beliefs that lead to the deaths of many innocent people. Beliefs can be harmful and just tolerating, accepting them isn't always going to be a good thing. And before you think the answer is, well, okay, if beliefs do cause harm, let's just go to no beliefs. Well, don't forget that choosing to believe nothing is still a belief in something. You're just believing in nothing, if that makes sense. Um, Actually, such a belief led to the death of millions of Cambodians in the atheistic regime of Pol Pot. About three million Cambodians just systematically wiped away. To say any belief is right as long as it works for you forgets that beliefs can be harmful. And it also forgets the fact that sometimes people are oblivious to the damage that their belief may do to themselves. Sure, look, people have to work out if their belief is actually harmful or not. That's great, that's good. But it's not healthy to let people believe something bad for them. If you love people, you respectfully love them and humbly speak the truth to them. You speak the truth in love. It's important. If if you don't speak the truth in love to someone, actually that's apathy, isn't it? It's going... 
I don't really care enough to step in and say something when I think something's hurting you. And if someone has cut themselves off from God, as Paul thinks these guys are about to do, it's very harmful. Now, look, Christians may be wrong. Other ways to God may not be harmful. They may also be right. But the problem with tolerance today is that as soon as you say you're intolerant, you silence the debate, don't you? You can't actually discuss it without being labelled as intolerant. See, critique is healthy and loving. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. And I hope you see that already Christians aren't motivated by arrogance. They're not trying to one-up someone and say, well, you know, you're really dumb and my belief's so much better. They're actually saying what they believe because they want the best for other people. They see something that they think is hurtful. They could be wrong, but they want the best for other people. And see, actually maybe today's tolerance isn't so much about acceptance and more about avoiding criticism because we don't want to hear we are wrong. We don't want people to say, look, your belief is harmful, your belief isn't good. Actually, that's the only way we'll grow and learn. And to be honest, this is not a new problem. Uh, 500 years ago, Martin Luther recorded something very similar. Uh, This is what he said. The ears of our generation have been made so delicate by the senseless multitude of flatterers that as soon as we perceive that anything of ours is not approved of, we cry out that we are being bitterly assailed. And when we can repel the truth by no other pretense, we escape by attributing bitterness, impatience, intemperance to our adversaries. If you don't like the message, sometimes it's just easier to shoot the messenger. And tolerance, I'm not saying all tolerance, but I'm saying often tolerance is used as a way to do that. How do you silence someone today who says something you don't like? Just label them as intolerant. Call them arrogant. Call them narrow-minded. Call them ignorant. Sometimes tolerance itself is what becomes intolerant. But it's not just about how we relate with other people. To say that all beliefs are right may not be treating God as God. When has God said that we can approach him any way we want? Paul makes the point that it doesn't matter whether an angel or he himself or anyone offers an alternative way to God. What matters is not what we think is the right way, but what God thinks is the right way. See, what is the surprise in the passage? It doesn't say, I'm so astonished that you are quickly quickly deserting teaching or I'm so astonished that you are deserting concepts or... No, it says... I'm so astonished that you're deserting him. Him who called you in the grace of Christ. Now, why him? Because he's arguing for truth. Why say him? Because by deserting the way God has decided, by deserting what God says is the truth, you actually desert God. But by denying him and what he says is the truth, you're saying, I don't want anything to do with you. How how can you be in a relationship with someone who doesn't believe what you say? Or how can you be in a relationship with someone who won't respect what you want? Hands up uh, if anyone here... Oops. 
No? Okay, that didn't work. Um, <laughs> hands up if anyone here knows Rupert Murdoch. Anyone? Like, know him as a friend? Yeah? No? I would have thought he'd be a really cool guy to get to know. I mean, he's got money, he's got power, you know, but none of us have his phone number in our speed dial. Because powerful people, actually all people, choose who they do and don't want to befriend. Now, I could get to know Rupert Murdoch. I could climb the fence of his house. I could sneak past his security. I could smash his window. I could climb into his bedroom and say, hey, Rupert, let's be friends. That might be a little weird. Uh, And please don't ever do that to me. Um, But to be honest, I don't think we would be friends if I did that. See, relationships require that you respect other people, that you come to them on their terms. And the God of the Bible says, if I'm going to relate to you, you've got to trust what I say. Do you know what today's tolerance does? It actually does something very different. It treats God like an idea and not like a being. See, an idea is something you control. control. Ideas change uh, depending on what we think. But a being, well, that's something you have to relate to. They are as they are. I can think really hard about Dwayne and, you know, how he's got the gift of encouragement when he makes little crass jokes about me, you know. Or, you know, I can think really, but it doesn't change who he is, does it? Because he's a being. I relate to him. You can't control a being. And if God is just an idea, then sure, it makes sense that we believe whatever we want about God. But if God is a real being, if he really is there, then we have to relate to him as he actually is. It can't be that we just go, yeah, whatever I think is right. It's that we have to go, let's discover who God is. To relate to him any other way is actually not to know him at all. And to be honest, I need to make sure I get my information from him. It doesn't matter what an angel says. It doesn't matter what someone says if that's not what God says. The problem with that, though, is how do I know what God says? One of the other big assumptions behind today's view of tolerance, that all ways to God are okay, is that people assume you can't know God. That's why it works. If God can't be known, then sure, let's all believe what we want. That's cool. It assumes that God hasn't given us enough information, that he doesn't really speak loud and clear. Yet, I don't actually think that's the case. Here's what Jesus says. His view is that God alone provides the way. See, if God hasn't provided a way, or if he provides many ways, he's either really cruel because he won't make himself clear, or he's really incompetent because he can't communicate. Now, if I want to get to know Dwayne, I just go ask him. I go talk to him. I say, hey, Dwayne, what's your favourite footy team? I say, hey, what do you do for fun on the weekend? But if Dwayne doesn't speak to me, I can only speculate about who he is and what he's like. I can only get limited information. Now, I can probably work a few things out, but I can't really know him on that deeper level. Because to know someone, you need words. You need to speak. You need to communicate. 
to have a real relationship, they need to reveal themselves to you. And the Bible's view is that God has spoken loud and clear. Actually, the question it asks is not whether he has spoken or not, but whether we're really listening. But let's have a look how God has spoken. Take a look at the little uh, 11 there, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. How has God revealed himself? It was by a gospel, a message, by words about Jesus. But this message wasn't something man made up. Some guy didn't dream it up to make some money. You know, we're not here trying to get enough people in so I can buy an ivory back scratcher. Um, And Paul definitely didn't make much out of this. Like, he didn't get any benefit really from this gospel in worldly terms. Actually, what he got was suffering. So, if it wasn't man-made, where did this gospel come from? Well, here's where it gets interesting. Because Paul says he did not receive the gospel from any man but that he received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says the same thing in verse 1. Take a look there. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but, there's a big contrast there, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He is saying Jesus is no mere man. He is a man, but he's also God. And think about who's saying this. This is Paul. He was like the Osama bin Laden against Christians of his day. He, would, he was going around killing Christians, making sure they were persecuted, making sure they would die. And yet he comes to this conclusion that Jesus himself is God. What could cause a turnaround like that other than meeting God face to face in the risen Jesus? If Jesus has risen from the dead, there's just... So much stuff that you can't explain if he hasn't. His cowardly disciples became courageous martyrs after his death. What would have changed that? Surely they'd be sitting there freaking out and then all of a sudden they go, yeah, let's just tell everyone about Jesus. I can't explain that other than a resurrection. They died for him. They suffered for him. Even former enemies became Christians. Surely that should make us at least consider whether God has spoken in Jesus. But today's view of tolerance views God very differently. See, what is the great illustration about tolerance today? It's the story of the blind man and the elephant. You know the story? There are six blind men and they say to their carer, look, we've never seen an elephant. We want to know what an elephant's like. Uh, So the carer takes them to see an elephant. And what happens? We've got the first blind guy and he, he's like, well, he grabs the elephant's ear and he's like, wow, an elephant's like a banana leaf. And the second blind guy, he pulls the elephant's tail and he goes, yeah, the elephant's like a rope. And you get the third blind guy and he grabs the elephant's trunk and says, wow, an elephant is like a tree trunk. And you get all these different you know, views of what an elephant's like and they're all pulling and, and grabbing parts of the elephant and I'm thinking man, either that's a really tame elephant or someone's going to get squished. Like, but the moral of the story is that there are many different but valid paths to God. 
just like there are different parts of an elephant, but it's all the one elephant, uh, and you can validly call an elephant's leg part of an elephant. And, and what we should do, if, if we're all going to be tolerant, is we should see that we are all right, that no one's really wrong, they're just different parts of the same thing, and, and none of us should be so arrogant. But to be honest, guys, there's three problems with that story. Firstly, the one, only one who isn't blind other than the carer in the story is the guy telling the story. <laughs> See, if Christians are arrogant, they're no more arrogant than anyone who says there are any way to God is valid because who's labelled as blind? It's anyone who says there's one way to God. That's actually really condescending. And second, well, what's the second problem? Well, secondly, many religions have claims that contradict each other. See, Islam believes that Jesus didn't die on the cross. Islam believes Jesus isn't God. Christianity believes that Jesus is God and that he did die on the cross. And atheism just believes that there is no God at all. Now, how can all of those intellectually be right? They contradict each other. Sure, they all have, should have their day where they can be heard and thought about and discussed. That's really what tolerance is about. You know, it's tolerating putting up with someone who I don't necessarily agree with. If I, you know, cut my arm, I tolerate the pain. I put up with it. But tolerance isn't about saying, hey, everyone's right. That just doesn't make sense. But thirdly, the third problem is God is likened to an elephant who can't speak or make himself known to anyone. It's saying God is either really cruel, he just hides himself or he he doesn't make himself clear or he's incompetent at communication. Either he can't provide a way for us to know him or he won't. That's the God of today's tolerance. And the reality is you can't pray to that God expecting him to really answer your prayer if, you're, if you happen to fall off the top of a building and you're plummeting to your death, try praying to a God like the tolerant God of today. Do you really think he's going to stop you from hitting the floor? Or is the praying just there to change you? I think the God I believe in can stop me hitting the floor because he's objective. He's not as powerful as just what's in my mind. And that sort of God of today's tolerance, well, he's so inconsistent because he actually changes as I change. But the God I know stays the same, no matter what I'm feeling. See, the sort of God I believe is one who can offer you certain eternal life because he rose from the dead to tell you what's beyond the grave. Jesus is very different. The Jesus who I believe, who I think is there whether you believe him or not, is actually something I think is not only true but really so much better. See, what I want to finish is by saying that Jesus is the way that God has decided and provided. He's not just God's way of revealing himself. I do believe he is but not just that. He's God's way of forgiving us and loving us even when we don't listen to him. 
So to wrap up, I want to take a look at who this Jesus is. Let's have a quick read of those couple of verses, verses 3 to 5, because they're such a great picture of who Jesus is. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, come to Jesus. What do you get? How is he different? Well, with Jesus you get grace. You get what you don't deserve. And you get peace. It's not just that it's an end of hostility. It's that you get full, right, joyful, meaningful relationship with God and with other people. And you know it's good for you because it was so costly. It came by Jesus dying, giving up himself. For what? For our sins. For all the times we disbelieve God where we say, God, look, I want you to fit into my box and I don't want to listen to what you have to say. For all those times, Jesus died for me. He loved me. He took my shame, my wrongdoing on himself. He died to forgive me for the times I won't listen. And not only that, but he came to deliver me, to rescue us into new life from an age where truth is malleable and flexible and it's not real and and really, you know, I can say whatever I want. The problem is if you don't have a certain truth, all of a sudden all your ethics and morality becomes very flexible. But Jesus comes to rescue me from that and says, hey, I'll tell you how to live and it's the best way you'll ever discover. It'll be a way of love where you love people even when it hurts you, even when it is a bit hard for them to hear. And you see that this God of Jesus is the one who is in control of everything. He's awesome and glorious. I can pray to him as my father, knowing that he'll hear me and answer my prayers. I'm in his family and he loves me. I enjoy friendship with the one who rules everything. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's knowing this God who's decided to love us even when we don't listen. And here's my thing. I think tolerance is a good thing. I, I, I think it's done a lot of good. It's said, hey, we, don't, we shouldn't be arrogant, we shouldn't fight. I get what people are trying to do with tolerance. But it's gone too far. And real tolerance is about saying, hey, I do disagree with you, but let's love each other anyway and try and find truth together because that's actually what's best for us. And to be honest, I don't really care if I'm called arrogant. I I just want to know and share Jesus with people because I know how good it is to know him. And to be honest, I never want to let any accusation get in the way of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he's come into the world saying, you can find truth in me. Now, Father, I know there are some people here today who 
who don't think that's, that Jesus is the owner of truth. But Father, we want to love them and, and we want to care for them and, and Father, I hope that you'll remind them that they are welcome here. But Father, we, we pray that um, all of us would put aside our biases, would put aside the things that we often let get in the way and search for truth together in love. We pray, Father, that we'd be a church where we build each other up in the truth, with love, with kindness, even when it's hard sometimes. We pray, Father, that we'd be willing to say the truth to each other when it hurts. And Father, help us to remember the great truth of Jesus, that he loved us to death so that we could have eternal life. Amen.